0: The show dedicated to the half demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christianson,
1: and me, Kate Thompson.
0: Woo! Yeah! 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 <laughs> uh, you know, it's part two of 1947. Hell we'll yeah! Be, we'll be covering chapter three and four of this um, episode. Um, but before crazy we get crazy
1: chapters,
0: crazy chapters. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. it's they just put the gas to the. To so the, all the way, forward, way to the floor baby just move it move it forward uh, there's no wasted panel of for uh, sure <laughs> that doesn't yeah just constantly drive us forward but it's, yeah. it's wild ride i do agree it's yeah. it's it's a good it's a good old wild ride for sure um, but before we get to that wild yeah. ride of vampires witches <laughs> <laughs> the bprd
1: destruction
0: <laughs> um you had something you wanted to share, which one of our listeners uh, shared with you, and it's a very cool fact.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ian Widener sent me this, uh, like a cool, it looks like a page published from like a manga magazine or from, specifically from like a Yu-Gi-Oh! magazine or comic, but it's just like one cool page with two drawings. There's information about the Yu-Gi-Oh! artist Kazuki Takahashi was a big Hellboy fan. And drew a picture of Hellboy, but like with this awesome Yu-Gi-Oh hair, like crazy long hair and like Yu-Gi-Oh cards and stuff like that. And like the whole like, I mean, I please forgive me any Yu-Gi-Oh fans. I don't know what this contraption on their wrists is called anymore, <laughs> but they've, uh, you know, it's like Hellboy with all of that. It's like all decked out in cool Hellboy, accoutre- or in cool like Yu-Gi-Oh accoutrement. But like, it's a badass drawing. It looks really cool. And then in the magazine, it says... Since Takahashi drew Hellboy with a Yugi fashion statement, we contacted Mignola himself, and he kindly agreed to draw his own version. The two artists then exchanged drawings. Don't expect Hellboy and Yugi to show up in each other's comics. The crossover stops here. But we're honored to print these two never-before-seen drawings. And then it shows a picture that Mignola drew for Kazuki Takahashi with uh, Hellboy with just a full, like, (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh! t-shirt, as well as the, like necklace this like upside down pyramid necklace that it like hellboy is wearing in uh takahashi drawing so it's like just a fun like <laughs> if hellboy was at like a convention for Oh or something this is what he would look like
0: yeah that's a great way to put it Yeah, <laughs> he's at yeah. a convention it's very funny this is not to be rude towards Mignola. i love that like uh, Takahashi's like, yes, I'm going to put Hellboy into my style to yeah. honor it. And then uh, Mignola, and I think this would be him talking to just disparaging toys. He's like, I just, I'm lazy. And he just I'm gonna draw, draw my character wearing his t-shirt. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think it's still fun, either.
1: but it's like, yeah, I guess like what would it be like if you tried to just draw Yu-Gi-Oh? I guess he does a pretty just like straightforward uh, like uh, faithful version of the character on Hellboy's shirt,
0: for sure, a hundred percent. It's funny. I I feel like now, especially after like the um the quarantine sketchbook, Mignola's more of the mindset that he would like dr- properly draw a version of the character. I bet in his style. he
1: would. Yeah. I don't know what year this is from. Oh, uh, excuse me. Okay, so Takahashi's drawing looks like it was made in two thousand four. And then Mignola's was maybe in 2019.
0: What a large gap.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he might—he probably didn't know. It looks like That's the magazine true. reached out to Mignola about getting the drawing. So maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm just going off of their like signatures in the corner here. They're just really cool. Like you guys should Google, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh Hellboy and you'll see these like badass drawings that both of these guys did.
0: Yeah, and I'll post, I'll I'll take this picture. It's easily found, so I'll post it on our feed as well when this episode goes live. So
1: thanks,
0: Ian. Yeah, thanks, Ian. That's a great listener, guys. You're all great listeners, but that's a (laughs) fucking great listener. Sharing some cool shit with us. Sharing
1: some cool shit,
0: man. Uh, We love it. Also, yeah, you already mentioned this, but you said, like, he likes Hellboy, and that's why he drew that, but it's like, on his Wikipedia, it says that Takahashi considers, like, uh, Hellboy his favorite character. Of American comics. So. Cool. Yeah. And so there you go. In addition to this uh, drawing, it's like he's just his favorite, which is very cool. So, yeah, he's, he's he's. I think
1: you can see that in his drawing. He like draws him with a lot of love.
0: A hundred percent true. I love yeah. that. I mean, his his right hand. I love that His like he has a right handed of doom that's very traditional in his drawing. Yeah. But then his fucking left arm is still this has this giant. As you said, device that's just wild. It was like a thing they sold
1: that you could like put your cards in from what I remember.
0: Hell yeah. Uh I watched
1: a little bit of the show, but it's been like you know, I was probably in eighth grade or something like that watching Yu Gi Oh, so I don't quite remember. I love yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Well if we have any listeners that are Yu Gi Oh, big Yu Gi Oh fans, inform us. Uh, of this it's like what is that do you know what the like the object that's like the upside down pyramid i was very curious if you knew what that was
1: literally let me google it hold
0: on i like i like mignola including that with hellboy i love how how much bigger it is on hellboy that pyramid (laughs) like it's just it looks like he has to just drag it along
1: (laughs) i think they're called dual discs dual
0: Dual discs discs.
1: yeah why yeah
0: yeah, very I never cool. played those games, so I'm very I'm in the dark big time.
1: I just liked the art. It was like everything, anything that was like a card game like that. Like I bought Magic cards just to look at the pictures. Had no idea. I've now learned how to play Magic, and it's really fun. Oh, really? There's a lot of steps to it, though. Like it took a, a friend of mine was on the podcast like way back in the day luke field yeah he's like big into magic cards he's got like this crazy collection of cards that's like worth money or something wow. like, but he like brought his cards over and showed us how to play and it was really fun well oh, that's yeah, cool shit like that like that and pokemon cards and like i just bought them because the art was cool i never really like learned how to play as a kid
0: yeah and i never owned them any of my own i remember I had friends in eighth grade. That had magic cards. So in art class, and then when I would just I would just freehand draw. I would just try yeah, just to copy the image, copy but freehand it. Yeah, totally. That's all yeah. I would do.
1: Cause like as a kid, that shit costs so much money. For magic, you have to have a deck of like sixty cards or something just oh to, to even play. And it's like you know, it's just it's it's expensive. So like as a little kid,
0: do you lose your cards to other people? Other yeah, players? there's like
1: formats where you put cards up. Like, you pick a random card, and then some of these cards are like worth a fucking ton of money. Not that you would like, probably. I think there's like versions of the game. Like, if you went into a comic shop, you wouldn't necessarily play. I forget what the term is. There's like a term for it where you can only play with like cards made from this year to the present. Like, you can't use every single thing. There's formats for playing with like every card ever published, but there are like rare expensive cards that basically are like one card wins and shit. Mm-hmm. So like those are not like banned, but they're like regulated to like certain games. Cool. Is my understanding.
0: This is, this talk is making me excited to see what that Mantic games, like simple deck game of, of yeah. is going to be like. And I,
1: that's the thing. It's like, if it was more accessible and more like, I don't know if if it was, if if it didn't require so much of a, time and money investment, <laughs> then I could totally get behind it. But, And then I was, like, Googling when I was getting into it. I was like, is there, like, a video game of this version? Yeah, there's, like, an online version, but it's the same deal. Like, you have to pay money to get better cards. Uh. There's an Xbox, like, one game that shows you, like, how to play Magic. But that's, that's it. There's, like, not a ton of options. So, yeah, it's just too... It's so expensive, it's like a huge, ridiculous paywall, basically, but you have Uh to pony up and do it. But, you know, I spend money on dumb shit.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to disparage anybody. I'm not, like, disparaging it. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's just, that's what's keeping
1: me from getting super into it.
0: As you stated, I buy, and you could easily (laughs) cut them out, and I could have more money. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I got a lot of
1: things in a lot of carts on online stores (laughs) stores <laughs> that I should just close all of those tabs and not look at them. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be smart yeah. to do that. Yeah, I would be. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, this was an intervention for Kate. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> be employed before you spend your money.
0: Yes, very true. But with that being said, we don't we don't need to be employed for this. Because there's a digital version you can get even though I do Hell have the, yeah. I do have the omnibus for 1947. Oh, nice! Uh, I have that like uh, cool collection of like forty six to forty eight. Very good collection. That's
1: what I'm reading. I I really think I will end up buying that.
0: I wanted it as soon as I loved forty six. I was like, the I stories are
1: just it. so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but we're now let's uh, let's get into this. Let's talk yeah, about dude. the chapter three and four, the covers, all that. I'll I'll let you take over, Kate.
1: Yeah. So of course, uh, written by Mike Mignola and Joshua Dysart. Illustrated by Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley. And that was published between July and November of 2009. Yeah, and issue three has like a cool, just fucking Hecate showed up, dude, and she's here right on the cover.
0: Yeah, she really is. In her <laughs> she's not being
1: coy anymore. She's like, here
0: I am. <laughs> here I am, just popping out from behind this little statue for you.
1: I guess we got a little statue of her because we have the snake, the like stone snake.
0: Oh, yeah. Like an right? early version of her. Yeah. Like a Ooh. yeah,
1: different artist interpretation. I like within her snake hair. We have this bat like tucked in.
0: Yeah. It's almost like to say like she's a witch, but she interacts with vampires, too.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> vampires are caught up in this witch stuff right
0: now. <laughs> I, yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. It's very interesting that it's like almost like a, str- a straight line, with the main image like image, but then like right hit- like
1: this very vertical, like, yeah bar of est of the figures.
0: But then you have, of course, the cl- like classic like,
1: fields of color, color of that behind. are
0: or that are at um angles, yeah. So very cool, like
1: crisscrossing here. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Just yeah. nice to see. You know, I Mignola mean, drawing cool snakes. I like these like little, the like lines that he uses for scales. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. that simplicity.
0: Cool, and I, I mean, of course, you know, you can't have me talk about a cover and not complain about missing those titles, fonts. Of course what not. I, what I love about the original, um, is that the BPRD symbol is obstructed by the snakes in her yeah. hair. And I really love that kind of touch. Like they're almost, yeah. they're almost covering up the R, the bottom of the R. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah,
0: and I just I love that those kind of touches. It just I love that like depth that it like a, a simple choice like it brings
1: that. her forward a ton. Yeah, and it also makes her be like overwhelming. Like she's like going to be a formidable kind of a foe in the rest of this story.
0: Yeah, and almost like for the whole the future too. Yeah, which, is, like, we, yeah. which we already knew. It's almost it's like foreshadowing, which we already know. Which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, she's like tough, tough as hell. <laughs> And then, yeah, it picks up like right where we left off from the three BPRD members have gotten to the chateau. They're exploring. They go down into the basement or, you know, like cellar and they see the two coffins of the sisters. And Frank's like, you know, well, we got to stake these sons of bitches, I guess. (laughs)
0: Because that's what you do.
1: (laughs) Got to live up to the Bela Lugosi, uh, you know, rundown of this mission that we've been given. So they start to approach. There's this like hole to do about opening the coffins and like there's a stake raised over ready to stab and they're empty. And they're like, all right, you know, thank God. Oh, and then Frank says, um, what does he say? I almost had a goddamn heart attack and I'm 31 freaking years old. <laughs> like, damn, that's younger than yeah, me. You're young. Frank's you're- seen some shit.
0: Yeah, you're young, man.
1: Yeah, he's young.
0: Don't be a don't uh, be a Bo Burnham about this and act like thirty is a terrible. I haven't thing. seen
1: his new special, so I'm sure that that's. I'll keep
0: my opinions to myself. It was not for me, but that's it.
1: <laughs> I've heard mixed things. You know, I saw, um, like, uh, <laughs> I saw our fr- our mutual friend Conrad posted, like this basically like a Venn diagram of circles not even touching, and one was like, "You're." your queer friends and the other one was like people who found Bo Burnham's special funny. <laughs> I
0: was like, I guess you hated
1: it. like Yeah,
0: I guess um, you did. So I
1: don't know. I wasn't... I, I, but I, you know, I liked... I've liked Bo Burnham stuff before, like YouTube videos and stuff. And I liked his movie.
0: I'm oh, I love Eighth Eighth Grade. I love it.
1: Yeah, I thought Eighth Grade was good.
0: People, it's for certain people that love it. For me, it wasn't. That's just pretty much. Is it
1: musical? Is it like? Yeah, European? he has he has
0: some funny like he has some very funny hooks and stuff, and the songs are funny.
1: I mean, it's
0: his style. Sure. I'm just making because he has a song about turning thirty and how like, and you're just how, like you're your just like you're so young. Right? You're fucking young. Yeah like yeah. yeah it's like exactly it's like treating 30 like it's the end of the world and you're just like right I don't shut the fuck up it's like you're
1: gonna live for decades longer like you're not yeah
0: even, you're you're rich you're white right, right you have you you have access to the fucking things that will keep you old that's the thing though man it's like
1: the more successful and famous you get the least the, the less and less relatable you are and the you know if you're a comedian especially if you're a stand-up it's like you have to really stretch for things that are relatable to a, ba- a bigger audience, because you're just financially successful. Like you, you did it, and that's great. Now you're just becoming less and less relevant. I mean, I don't know. This is of of people in general, not specifically of Bo. Yeah, Burnham. yeah. You might love the Bo Burnham special. I don't know.
0: Plenty of people do.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. I've heard. A, I've heard a lot of people saying it was great. But, okay, anyways, yeah, yeah' just'm just I'm just, say, I'm just
0: saying Frank is being a little bit of a bow. now we can continue. <laughs>
1: well, he's seen a lot of stuff, you know he's like a he's like an aged 31, and he's uh you know he's smoking. He, uh, yeah, so they're like relieved. they think that they're fine down here. There's nothing down here, and then of course, smash through the ground. Oh my God. come all of these uh, I guess the servants, right, like the male yeah, servants like. that we saw.
0: But now they're like um, much yeah. sprier. <laughs>
1: yeah, they're they're in their full like evil vampiric kind of form, transformed from away from the like humanoid looking things that they were. These like horrible wretches with wrinkled, deformed faces from the previous issue. Now they're just fully like huge fangs and basically like mignola eat tusks, and yeah. they're just bursting forth from the ground. And grabbing Frank and like ripping into his legs. Oh, every all these guys screaming. Um,
0: yeah, it just turns into complete chaos so quickly. Immediate, yeah, it's like
1: a great splash page to show us this, too. Like, it's really fun. A lot of like action in the third issue, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, he's starting to get torn apart like immediately. He's just overwhelmed by like you know, a dozen of these things. Um, Gabriel starts blasting. He's holding the cross, running out, following Jacob. Like, go, go, you know, just like leaving Frank. They throw fucking grenades behind them because Frank is toast.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's you get like, in three panels. In three panels, you're like, oh, he's done for.
1: Yeah. If he's already <laughs> that consumed by them, even if he's not killed by being like eviscerated by them, he got bit by like a million vampires.
0: Yeah. And that's never good. Never good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so Gabriel goes, fire in the hole! And then throws down three, (laughs) uh, like a belt full of grenades, blows them all up. They're running out of the house as it's, like, exploding out from under them. The cellar is, like, lighting on fire and blowing up through the ground. A vampire bursts through, grabs Gabriel's leg, and then at first he yells for Jacob to help, and then he yells for him to kill me.
0: Which is crazy so, that it's yeah. a flash, a mirror of his thing that he didn't share from D-Day. Yeah, the kill Ooh. the
1: other guy the other soldier begging him to kill him. Yeah. So you know, that's that can't be good for PTSD, just doubling down <laughs> on your fucking trauma.
0: <laughs> no, rush. it cannot be good for
1: can't be PTSD. good, but and he does it. He honors Gabriel's wish at this point. Jacob turns around and shoots him in the head. He's done. Yeah. it's. I was like, I was reading this like, Oh fuck. I really, you know, I didn't know if they were going to all die. You know, we kind of suspected that they would be done after this because you don't really see these guys after, you know, that yeah. much after. So it's just, but I was still like, Oh shit. Like kind of devastated. I think they, they did such a good job of establishing these characters so fast in the first two issues that you, that it was like an effective thing when they died. It's, it, you feel it.
0: Yeah, I agree with you because I think that's, like, always the thing is when you watch something, another medium or any storytelling that, like, you clearly can tell that a character is just there to be, like, for
1: lack of... Right, they're just red shirts, they're, like, fodder. Yes,
0: red shirts. Yeah. But when you can establish characters and make us, like, I wouldn't call them my favorite, but, like, they're humans, so you're, like, oh, okay, like, so you can, like, you're, like... Uh, there's yeah. enough there that I – you could – there's a version out there in the, an alternate universe of this comic where they survive, and I'd probably be interested in what happens to Frank and uh, yeah. Gabriel. But the fact that they – what you already said, but, like, established enough that when they die, it actually means something to us. Yeah,
1: because I think even, like, adding little touches to Gabriel's last the, – in the last issue of him being like, okay, slow down, let's think this through – Just like quick little lines that make you go, okay, we're where these characters are at the top of their intelligence. They're not just like cookie cutters, Mm -hmm. maybe like run and gun soldier kind of guys. Like who are just like, let's fucking go with like a, you know, gritted teeth or something. It's like, they're thoughtful. They're trying to execute this mission, you know, as well as they can. Sure. They got drunk the first night, but they're all like bonding and like getting to know one another. That
0: humanized them to us. Right. Right, right. Of course, you've seen Agreed. some shit. Why would they want to get right back into yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> they're just
1: gonna hang out for a night and be like, "Let's okay, we'll just let ourselves relax. We're fucking jet lagged, <laughs> you know." Yeah. So yeah, it's very you know, it it like it's like, "Ooh, no, he had oh god, he got shot in the face. That sucks." And it also sucks for Jacob who had to do that.
0: Yeah, because from yeah. what we know, he didn't do it. I would assume they would have shown us him killing that other soldier if he went through with it. Yeah. it's internet uh, so to me it's like oh he went through with this because now he doesn't hesitate worse. yeah he knows exactly. he's
1: like it haunted me that i didn't do it for this other guy is what how i kind of take it take away from it which is so horrifying
0: yeah gabriel is fucking not only is he being bit and torn back from a vampire but the vampire's in, like in vampire is in fire it's this it's so much happening to gabriel it's
1: bad <laughs> shit, it went to shit So fast. Yeah. And then Jacob escapes the house. He like barrel rolls into the boat. The kid who operated the motor on the way there is like, oh, like I like this little excitement. I
0: love that little.
1: That's all you need. (laughs) And then, I mean, I won't call out the other comic. You and I were talking about a comic that used a shortcut of losing some of the facial features on a character who was kind of farther away. Yes. And we were saying in that one, it felt rushed. In this one, it feels good because the character like this little like boat operator character is very very small they're far they're far away and the only thing you need to convey that expression are the two little dots of eyes being like blinking and being surprised and the little like shock around the face you know the little like kind of like not like Not like Spidey sense, but the little like kind of like spikes of surprise. Yeah. I think in this comic, it it works and it doesn't feel rushed.
0: A hundred percent doesn't feel rushed because I think the whole frame, the whole panel is is designed to give us that like the, we the viewer are from a, di- a further distance away so it, it creates that depth so it doesn't feel unnatural that i'm mis- yeah. missing his facial expressions
1: it's depth and it's speed it's like about pacing yes you know he's like the action is so fast in this page it's like you you can like feel the heat and the fire from the first one it's like almost completely orange and black in the first panel You see Jacob running his like his silhouette is just complete action. You see his hands and feet all distinctly like he's bolting and like flailing, you know? Yeah. And then he runs, you know, it's just his feet running to the boat, barrel roll in. And there are by the next panel, this big panel, they're already, you know, a hundred yards out into the lake Mm -hmm. away from like whooshing through the lake you know so it's just like great a great page of like speed it's a nice like how to do <laughs> a fast pace in a comic on this page yeah
0: yeah 100% yeah yeah you could take this this like kind of page and learn a lot from it
1: i think so yeah i think it's uh, it's just executed really well
0: and then we're going to get and what which i love about our our artists um these the Fabio and Gabriel you get this where they're like using the simplicity to gain pace, right? Like you just said, yeah. these next pages we'll get to, they realize it, we've slowed us down. So there you get a lot of great detail.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, where you like are lingering on the images and looking at the, the finer detail. Yeah, totally. Cause it's not like a blur. You're like, you're kind of like looking at, I mean, it's still kind of like disorienting cause you're looking at every, little horrific thing and then it pans out (laughs) to give you a shot so like you see the statue of hecate up on a column around that column are witches pouring something red betcha's blood
0: i bet it's blood
1: (laughs) which is like hot and smoking as they pour it onto the ground you get like this funny like juxtaposition against these like old crone sort of witches you see like a little girl like joyfully running around within the (laughs) circle or like close to the circle I should say as they're like doing an incantation basically to be like hey Hecate come show up and then it pans out and you see the larger like the whole of the scene Mm -hmm. where there's like the coven of witches over to the side dancing and they're dancing with like a giant cat (laughs) like a you know like just some classic witch stuff and then these other witches are busy forming this circle of like runes or whatever out of blood around Hecate's like the depiction of Hecate the like statue of her and then the next page they're like continuing to call her forth or whatever and like then there's you know this like whirling sort of like storm god what's the word i'm looking for sort of where like it's like
0: it's sort of like um uh, not tornado yeah what is that oh, like a, uh, yeah, a cyclone dude. sort yeah, of like a cycle like, like a cyclone like, that's lifting all these witches up into the air with their yeah, like where they're just like
1: in these like churning whirling sort of like winds that are picking them up so there's like circles of them dancing like layers all around this circle that's been drawn in blood, and then above them are like, you know, various birds. You got like probably like, they're, they're like not super in um super close, so the details not super fine, but it's like you can imagine like owls and ravens and shit like that, like all circling the same area. So that looks pretty spooky. Yeah,
0: and I love I love all the like, as you said, like closer you we we feel to whatever object or human or which in this, I don't know, witches are human, I guess, but like closer to us, you get a little more detail and then further away. All these details are so fun within here. And then I love the panel before that's like set inside of this, like, which is essentially like a splash page with a panel in it. I love the details of those three, the three crones that that I assume are the ones that poured the blood. You get the
1: sense that it's kind of happening simultaneously. Yeah. 'Cause it's like embedded in this other larger scene. It's like here's a little close up of what's happening in this scene that we're looking at in the background of
0: that. Yeah, very cool.
1: Very nice. And then, you know, they're calling her forth. And then the next page, another like kind of splash page, so you can see the witches in the background. This kind of little gathering of vampires is happening, um, with the two sisters holding Simon prisoner basically
0: what great Um, use of space to just let us know where we are like to have it go from that swirl from where we're below and then the swirl in the background to lead our eye right down to this little meeting of the vampires and
1: framed by that you know it's like the top of the page you have like this uh like the limbs of a dead tree so like great kind of classic like it makes me think of like halloween decorations from like the 60s or something yeah and it's like you know like whirling you can like hear the wind and then the tree the tree's trunk kind of draws you down they're like sort of like columns but they're you know what's left of some columns some like ruins of an old stage or something
0: and i like the circle of that that, that playing area on the stone yeah. is a is a circle so it almost combines itself with the swirl that's yeah. in the distance i really like yeah that.
1: and it's like a heavy thing too it's like a the This bottom is, like, properly weighted and then the top is, like, mirroring the circle shape but with these, like, f- kind of quick dry brush strokes that make you think, like, you know, it's like this ethereal sort of, like, moving, churning sort of wind that's, like, just really cool. Yeah. And the other vampires are there and they're giving shit to Baron Koenig because he's... <laughs> they're like, what's all this about? Okay? And Baron <laughs> Koenig is saying oh, like I killed some lowly piggish men. I thought we all liked doing that. They were like, yeah, we all said, we all swore that we were going to just back off until humanity forgot how to fight us. Then we were going to go kill them all easily. Like it was going to be so great. And, he, and then Conan goes on about your rescue meeting with, you know, being like horrible and sitting at the table with Hitler uh, <laughs> you know a human who's like a fucking dog isn't that bad and you're chastising me and they're like yeah but rescue wasn't like publishing what he was doing he did you know he didn't like leave bodies all over he was being sneaky about it you're way worse you betrayed us we all agreed that we were gonna lay low Um,
0: come on, bro.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And he's like saying, you know, like, oh, they did all these horrible things for war. All of our vampire societies around the world, you know, were being disturbed by these humans who were, you know, fighting amongst themselves, but they were disturbing us and we should be servants to no one. Uh, who stands with me? He's like right. he's like sit, giving this big speech as if to rile people up, but he, it's met with complete silence.
0: Yeah, he has a very Jerry Maguire moment. Come on, yeah. Who's coming with me? There's nobody. <laughs> just crickets.
1: The vampires are just like um, you know brooding and like sulking at him. Simon's kind of watching this whole thing horrified, and the two sisters are kind of like just gleeful. They they yeah. they're like mischievous. They like the. They like the fact that this is looking bad for so you know, it's like they find joy and uh, anguish or something. <laughs> yeah, they love
0: anybody's pain.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then someone steps forward, the woman, the vampire who spoke in the last issue. She steps forward and Koenig takes that as like, oh, good, you're on my side, you understand. But then she gives him a slap. <laughs> and then. I love the color on the slaps, yeah. by the way. H- yeah, this orange, like bright, like, ooh, oh, surprise.
0: Great choice.
1: You get a shock, like, the way that we see uh, Koenig's shocked expression at having been, in his mind, like, betrayed by the vampires. But it seems like he kind of betrayed a promise that they all made to each other to, you know, stand back and not be so fucking obvious. And then they play a game of pushy slappy with (laughs) Koenig, where... (laughs) everybody's just pushing him and slapping him about. The sisters are clapping because this is, oh, this is such fun because they're (laughs) fucking maniacal psychopaths or whatever. You know, and Simon's just kind of watching this all go down because there's not much he can do about it. But then Simon feels, you know, as the like... um,
0: Conjuring of Hecate. Conjuring of Hecate,
1: yeah, is continuing. Simon feels, he like buckles, uh, he kind of falls to the ground. Something's wrong and... The sisters tell him, no, all is in its place. And then Koenig's continuing to get the shit beat out of him. The uh, winds are picking up and becoming stronger and stronger as Hecate is being called.
0: Yeah, real quick, I love um, that panel, the beginning of this, as they're like, as they say, all is in its place. It's like the smoke from the blood of the rooms they put down has now become this green smoke and it's what's like now gathering it's like
1: intertwining it's like serpentine moving up up the column
0: i love that
1: hell yeah yeah and it's like just building and building and building and then yeah we see this the big vampire with the fur you know this like big fur covered vampire yeah, he's like a Craven. Um, he's
0: like a Craven, the hunter vampire. He's what you a would Russian. like as
1: Craven. He's who you would cast as Craven. <laughs>
0: yes, cast this Not vamp, the this, guy. this vampire is Craven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he is a very, you know, a big um sort of like shoulder full of fur Hell yeah. and just a giant guy. <laughs> he would be a good Craven. He is, you know, Conan at this point is he's fucked up. He's on the ground. He's. Kind of steps, you know, he's, like, on top of Koenig's back. Takes out a little dagger. The only thing that can undo us is hubris. He slits Koenig's throat. <laughs> Simon is, like, screaming in agony. And then Koenig bleeds out and then in proper vampire style turns to ash. And kind of, blow. you know, some of him blows away, leaving only his rings. I love that that I thought detail. was a nice touch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I
0: thought
1: that was good. It's like a little pool of blood and then... Just his rings. Oh, yeah. And then finally, Hecate appears at the very end of the issue. Well, not the very end, but, you know, in a huge splash page, appears uh, enormous. Like, her form is enormous. She's, like, wrapped around the column that had the statue of her, and the witches are all, like, kind of mirroring her serpentine kind of body. And she's, like, emerging from this smoke and fog. I, it's awesome.
0: It's such a great splash page. And like in yeah. such a cool new, cause we have all of our, just a good rendition of that. They're like really Fabio and Gabriel really bringing their own style uh-huh. to a character that we like a villain that we really love. And, but it's made, they made it their own, but it's so recognizable yeah, they do it
1: justice and like still brings, you know, bring their own touches to it. It's really cool.
0: Big time. <laughs>
1: I like the variation of the sizes of the snakes in her hair too. Like I think it's neat.
0: Yeah, that one that's, like, really close.
1: You get so much movement from these drawings. Yeah. And then, like, the wind is, like, continuing to pick up until it's, like, completely engulfing everyone. Like, the witches are completely covered in this smoke and wind. And then it dissipates, and then everybody's gone. And then it's just, like, it's, like, that kind of thing where, like, your refrigerator is sort of running and then turns off. (laughs) Where you, like, didn't, you know, it's, like, this deafening silence. And... The trees are totally still. Everything's still. The vampires are gone. And then just a hooded figure comes out with a dustpan <laughs> and a little brush and scoops up the ashen remains of Koenig and all of his little rings. And then we just look up into this like still, peaceful night sky with the stars twinkling.
0: Yeah, I like the idea. I don't know yeah. if they meant this connection, but like that connection that we're all stardust. And it's like dust of him and then stars. Yeah, yeah. Sort like of an just, ashes
1: to ashes thing happening. Yeah. <laughs> that all of these events are like small compared to, you know.
0: These greater things. These behind greater it. things. Yeah.
1: Even the life of, I think at one point the big vampire says like, you're half the age of my youngest wife to Koenig. <laughs> so it's like he might be like a few hundred years old and that's like nothing to the vampires. And then vampires li- lifespans are nothing to the lifespan of a star or something.
0: Yeah. It's great. It's really great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Makes you feel real little. And then we go, we cut to like a faraway shot of the chateau burning in the distance. Jacob's on the phone and hangs up. We see the guy in the lobby of the hotel has like sort of a crudely made cross
0: around his neck. Like, do you think. These events made him go, like, I need to pull a cross together. Cause- yeah, maybe he <laughs> had that under the
1: desk and he was like, I better wear that tonight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he just
1: wears it all the time. He's got, like, 100. <laughs> then we see um, Trevor in New Mexico getting off the phone and squinting his eye, like a super, super close up of his eyes squinting. Uh, Margaret comes in and she's like, hey, did you see this, like, hyena situation in Tanzania? which might have been something that Frank was talking about. I don't remember.
0: Maybe. I can't remember. if he's, Or if this is referencing something we're forgetting. But, yeah, hey, maybe. if you know, let us know.
1: <laughs> and then, um, yeah, she sees how, like, disturbed Broom is, and he says, they're dead, Margaret. They're all dead. Not exactly accurate, but he, you know, most yes. of them appear to have died, at least from what Jacob can tell him. And then it kind of, like, backs away from Professor Broom, and it lingers on this plaque where... The plaque is saying in honor of the extraordinary service above and beyond the call of duty in the year of our Lord, 1940 Six. and 1946.
0: Yeah. These are the guys from the mission, the last mission, I think from 47 Oh, oh, or 46. Oh, oh, oh. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Cause Albert Steiner is We're goofy. that's okay. Um, that's what these people are. So it's like, that okay, one. now I get the weight. It's like, it's like sort yeah, of. Room
1: feels like he's sending people to their deaths. To their
0: deaths. Basically. He's just like, yeah. great. These were the first people soldiers I worked. I'm trying to create this thing, and now the first people that I are fucking dead again. Now I get it. Okay, sorry. No. I know that's dumb to not put together. No, I Steiner also, is the one that made me go click and go. Yeah, Steiner is from that story.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, I found you know Private First Class Timothy Clark. Like I found that character on the Hellboy wiki and he, so like when Hellboy appeared.
0: Definitely was there.
1: Yeah, he was definitely there. It was like Tim Clark was an American soldier who served in World War II and one of the first members of the of Tra- Professor Trevor Broom's paranormal field team. He was just like one of the guys who uh, were present in each East Bromwich and encla- encountered Hellboy. Yeah, sometimes
0: you just forget. We read a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. but uh, It was like, you know, at least a a few months ago that we read that story. So, or anyway. more, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. But either way, I mean that's a very sad cliffhanger. It's Like not even a cliffhanger. It's like, oh, like you that just, guilt. You know,
1: you know that this weight is on broom and it's just like, okay, if you're gonna continue, and he, I think he knows too. Continued work in the field of the BPRD, you, it just means losing people all the time, and that's a fucking heavy way to live.
0: Yeah, big time.
1: Yeah. That's rough. And that's the way the three ends. Three, what a bonkers issue. Just so much shit went down.
0: Yeah, it just really kicked off so fast. And it was just like, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, it was a ride. And a lot of surprises, um, especially with Koenig. Like, Koenig was like the biggest surprise for me of like his actual death. Because you're like, you expect a classic like, oh, the BPRD is going to like track him down and stop him. And this is like, nope. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, bigger, bigger forces at work, and they don't want him fucking things up for them.
1: <laughs> and he was just a cool character. I liked his owl yeah. style.
0: His owl style yeah. was great. His little rings, <laughs> those details.
1: Yeah, those were fun. Um, I you, thought that was a fun, like, satisfying thing to leave them. Yes, I
0: agree. Um, I mean, I I have to say before we move on to the the, the next chapter, chapter four. I th- I think this one I just absolutely there's so much that we pointed out along the way, but it's just I think the splash pages constantly are just making me more and more fans of Fabio and Gabriel as like a team.
1: Yeah, they do a really good job with kind of like build like building too, you know. Yeah, they they, they, they build like work perfectly. you up into a frenzy, and then it's <laughs> and then give you like a nice satisfying splash page.
0: Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I can only agree with that.
1: Yeah.
0: Cause they, they never, they never just use it to use it. Cause even, and when you say work to a frenzy, it's like different versions. Like one is an attack on from vampires. The next one is a build into this, like, which is, like they surprise us with the next one, which is like these witches conjuring up Hecate, but it's to this convert It's like a splash page to introduce the convert this little like meeting of vampires. And it's like, oh, that's a cool ver- way. And then it's the, of course, Hecate, uh, her presence. But then yeah. they, then they do the thing you just said I love is that they've built, they do these cool builds to those, but you could, you could argue the Hecate they build out of it. Cause The page before it is not building to Hecate. It's the death of Koenig. They do this great splash that Hecate's there, and then they dissipate out from it. And I love that.
1: They're like so, they like whirl away, and they're like vanished away somewhere.
0: Yeah. The art that can like give us the pace for all of that is just so well done in this whole issue. Totally. Love it. Good stuff.
1: Love it. And then we're on to chapter four, which we have another cool cover.
0: Yeah, very, very dire, like dreadful Simon's looking bad yeah
1: he's looking bad yeah it's rough uh he's like gaunt and as we'll see in the issue it like sort of him being like trapped by these sisters is kind of recalling his desperate state when he was stranded at sea yeah um we see the sisters we know it's them by this like by their beautiful dresses but then They have demonic little bat wings and skulls,
0: red skulls for heads. Yeah. And I love that energy that's coming off of them, that the red and then the different, like more maroonish, other like stroke above that. Yeah, It's very cool. I mean, I'm going to go back to the original cover too. It's just cool that then they place the, like prior to these covers, the 1947 part of the cover has always been sort of offset. Typically on the uh, the left side of the cover, this yeah. one it's like with this energy coming off of this. Anders just being completely drained of his energy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The forty-seven is so perfectly placed right in the center of yeah, the cover. And I, I love it looks that.
1: Great, and it's like a it's like a at least I mean I don't know if it was shiny when it was published, but it looks like a matte gold kind of yeah. a color that brings it forward on you know. And kind of like mimics the gold of the dresses and just looks really cool. And like you can, I like this touch of like their skeletal hands, the sister's kind of skeletal hands and then touching where they're touching Simon, it's his full arm, but it's kind of silhouetted. Yeah. And the part that is forward in the light looks so gaunt and thin where it's being like grabbed by her hand that the light, like the highlight looks like just the bone. Yeah. It's just like a nice way to be like, oh, they're s- sucking the energy out of him. They're, you know, yes. they're vampires. So he's in a he's in a bad way.
0: Yeah. Terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. Great cover.
1: <laughs> and then it starts off where he's sitting in a chair as though he's like being interviewed with, si- with Simon sitting in a chair. You know, he's got like a little bit of tea, a tea tray over on the side. Mm-hmm. you know, an ashtray with cigarettes, like in a comfy armchair in like this pretty, you know, it's like a pretty lush, luxurious kind of spot. He's like in a suit. He's got his hat. So he's like comfortable. But then he's recalling being lost at sea and trying to convey what that was like. You get the impression that it was like, maybe this was a conversation he had with Broom.
0: That's what it feels. It feels like the first interview. I agree with Broom yeah. about like sort of to check his like, cause it doesn't feel like a debrief, like after the events, it does feel like a, a, a proper Prior, interview yeah
1: yeah so he's and he's like talking about oh you want to know what it was like to be lost at sea um it was like peaceful in a way after you beg and f- freak out and cry and um you know you and you want to die but you don't die um you just keep on living then we see Margaret holding his file, his, like, psychological evaluation. So maybe maybe she's reading the transcripts of this interview or something, too?
0: Yeah, that makes total sense that it would be that, because yeah. it, it, maybe it isn't Broom, but definitely, yeah. like...
1: He's, like, having a debrief with some member of the military, like, yeah. his
0: psychological
1: evaluation, I guess. And she's reading the transcripts from that. She brings in tea for the professor, who kind of apologizes. He's like, listen, this went really bad. I know, you know... You didn't want to send men out on the fir- in the first place. I want you to know that I accept and understand your feelings. And she says, "Well, to be honest, professor, or excuse me, well to be honest, Trevor. Right now I'm feeling sorry for you. I hope you can accept and understand that." So she's kind of like not like saying I told you so so much but being like this is fucking bad. We lost good human beings to this thing and didn't stop. Like to our knowledge didn't stop the vampires or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just like maybe
0: maybe listen to me. Maybe listen to me a little more. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs)
1: yeah, it's just rough. It's high tension. Then it cuts to uh, back to France. We have Jacob sitting on a park bench looking at the ducks, having some PTSD flashbacks now mixing D-Day with um Gabriel dying and he sit, like this a very nice kind of drawing of him very very small on the bench in the very bottom corner surrounded by just nothing like this kind of chasm of like nothing. Yeah, I really like that. So it's like, like flashes of violent visions and then kind of like a numbness and he's sort of like holding his head like he's had a horrible headache. He's just thinking about these terrible events he's lived through and then he notices the you know dozens of cats around him. <laughs> And then the woman who he gave a coin to in one of the previous issues is walking by. She's feeding the ducks. She's hanging out with these cats. She was like, I'm going to tell you this because you were kind. Your friend who was missing, he's alive. Here's a coin wrapped in a piece of paper that says Osterich, Annalisa, Brezina, Katarina, Brzezina. So the names of the sisters and Osterich, which we'll find out is like where they are. And he's happy for a moment. He's like, he's like, Simon's alive Looks up. The woman is mysteriously gone. The cats are just sitting there, looking at him, kind of like, you know, like cats. Like they're not threatening. They're just lounging about.
0: There's so many. They're like covering. The There's tree. a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. If I looked up and saw that many cats, I'd be like, oh fuck.
0: Yeah, I'd be like, I'm about to mm. get eaten, maybe.
1: But they're like, <laughs> relax. They're just like observing him. Then we see Trevor on the phone, talking it like just Trevor's side of this conversation with Jacob, like giving him information about annalise and katerina you know uh, they used to live uh, they died in 1701 in ostrich in the mountains um so why don't you go head over there and he does uh margaret says she's gonna ring the consulate the austrian consulate and she goes to leave and trevor closes this book about the uh, brazina family and he
0: just I love the title real quick. Speaks
1: to Vivara. Yeah, Vivara. Yeah, the curious and secret <laughs> family history of House Brzina.
0: <laughs> what a fun title. A whole family of crazy
1: guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as he closes it and he's like alone but not alone, he goes, Vivara, you're here, aren't you? Duh, I'm here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you have this, like, f- another fun interaction between, like, this straight man broom and this, like, kind of funny... Girl little girl demon. Yeah. <laughs> and she kind of tells Broom a little bit more about them. She's like, Yeah, they were beautiful. People would come from miles around. They would sleep with um pauper and prince alike. And then they would kill them when they're done. And you get these little flashes of them like being gifted all of these like like golden jewels and them stabbing a guy and laughing in his blood. And um perhaps they sought to control their own fate. Perhaps they came to an arrangement with darkness itself to like preserve their beauty because they were so vain, and you see a picture of, um, uh, Keurig. Wait, Baron fucking Koenig. Baron Baron Koenig. Yeah, they called him Keurig. I must need. He's
0: coffee. a Keurig, yeah. Like, he, yeah, that's where it comes from. It Baron Koenig from the... emerges from the dark. Keur- Keurigs were originally just little pods of blood for a vampire. Yeah, you just
1: suck the. Yeah, you would. <laughs> Put your fangs through the top. Uh, yeah. yeah, so he emerges from the darkness, and so it's like, okay, so he transformed them into vampires, which they accepted happily for, like, eternal youth.
0: And I love that they were fucking horrible before they were vampires.
1: Right, they were monsters before <laughs> they became vampires.
0: I love that. Sadistic fucks. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, so Vivara is saying it in kind of a playful way, like, perhaps that's what happened, where it's like, yeah, that's tra- straight up what happened room's like and now they have simon my agent and then like a bunch of panels of the such a cute little hellboy i love this little depiction of baby hellboy i think it's so cute i love
0: the way he's dressed as like he's like a little mechanic
1: (laughs) yeah he's got like a little like air you know like air force mechanic kind of (laughs) a jumpsuit on the sleeves are rolled up he's singing a little song he just walks right up to the professor's door and opens it. M- Margaret's, you know, she's on the phone with Austria. <laughs> um, he, like, you know, it's just, like, whistling and having a good time. Professor, can I have some pancakes? Hellboy, please. Margaret. Like, he's, you know, <laughs> Professor Room's stressed out. It's like, okay, so one fewer member of my team is is not dead like I thought they were. He's still stressed out. Big time. He's like, yeah, you got to get out of here. I'm in the middle of stuff. You know, come on, Peanut. We're already very, or we're all very busy right now. Go entertain yourself, okay? Mm -hmm." Mm-hmm. Like Hellboy's like looking kind of sad, but being like, all right. (laughs) Then sitting in the hallway, bored, 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 like a little kid.
0: Yeah, his little, his face is so funny in that. Yeah, (laughs) I
1: love this like pouting. I love the just all of the expressions are great. I, I really do love how they depict Baby Hellboy. I think it's done really well. Yeah, so cute. I 100% agree. I like, too, that the other, like, that this pilot is, like, really nice to him and stuff, too. Like, this whole interaction is so fun. Hey there, how's it chicken little man? You are, you're growing fast there, like, weirdly fast. Do you know how to make pancakes? Like, gets right to it.
0: <laughs>
1: you kidding me? I'm an ace number one. Uh, I'm ace number one on pancake detail. See this patch right here? You guessed it. That's for making pancakes. I don't believe you. Like, it's so cute. And then it cuts to him eating a a fucking stack of 50 pancakes, (laughs) reading a Lobster Johnson comic. Yeah. uh, And overhearing the, like, you know, a fucking debaucherous story from one of the one of the like Air Force guys or whatever talking about like hiding with like naked German girls and stuff. But, you know, like being happy and just eating pancakes or reading comic books and having like an overall good time as a little kid. Hellboy. Yeah.
0: I love this idea that, again, in this universe, these people are not Like thrown by Hellboy. It's just part of the world.
1: Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's a little kid to them.
0: That's it. I mean, we've talked in detail about our thoughts on Lobster Johnson and his comic book, but it is really fun to, in this moment, to see him as this little boy, read this like Lobster Johnson comic.
1: And there's Black Flames in here, right?
0: Yeah. Like that threw me. I was like, wait, so Black Flames, I knew Lobster Johnson was like a strange character who was like myth and then also pulp in this world pulp written, but I'm like, oh, wait, Black Flame is also a pulp character in this yes. world? Weird.
1: It's like a little Black Flame. Like, he looks kind of small.
0: Yeah, he looks like a short little Black Flame. He'd be like me if yeah. I was Black Flame. <laughs> no. <laughs> a little 5'3 like Black this, Flame. I like this um,
1: Kirby-esque sort of, like, drawing of Lobster Johnson, too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: I think it's really cool. And just the way that the coloring is done is really nice, too, like, as though... It's, like, printed slightly to the right of the inks in the comic, you know? Very, like, just, like, pulpy sort of comics. Um, I think they do that really well. And this little, like, edge of Hellboy's thumb, like, his hand holding it. Yeah. (laughs) There's, like, a lot of little fun details. It's great. And I just think it's so cute.
0: Yeah. I love that he's his little, like, smirk with clearly, like, pancake in his mouth.
1: (laughs) Right. His chewing and, like, still, like, happily immersed in it. But then also hearing in the background like this, you know, fucking raunchy story. Yeah,
0: he's in the mess hall where he should, probably should not be.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's it's it's just a nice little way of showing you. It's like show, don't tell kind of a thing of like, this is the kind of environment Hellboy grew up in. So it's like, he's a fun little kid, but he's growing up in a gruff, sailory story environment, you know. Yes,
0: exactly. So
1: all of it's kind of rubbing off on him. Then it cuts back to the very serious story that Simon is telling about being lost at sea where he's like losing his fucking mind and his skin's (laughs) burning off and he's eating algae and like fish scales and guts and saying, you know, drifting, waiting. And like I said, it's peaceful in its way. And He says that over a splash page of the sisters, like, you know, seductively lying on him. He's got a bite in his neck and he's not looking so good. So they're just like, you know, sucking the life out of him, kind of slowly torturing him and letting him deteriorate.
0: I'm also, are they, are they, are they going to turn him? Is that their main goal or are they just going to like suck him dry? I think
1: they're just like, it's like little kids, like, burning an anthill with a magnifying glass. Like, that's what this is to them, I think. love it. Where they're just, like, having fun. They're just, like, cats playing with a mouse.
0: Right. I love it. Okay. Just, you
1: know, that's that's my interpretation. I think like, you're
0: right. I just was, like, wanted to just really, because it's, like, I guess this is the when they're starting and then we'll definitely jump a little bit of time and it's, like, oh, mm-hmm. he's just been he slowly tortured.
1: <laughs> yeah, but then it's, we see that, like, close-up page, page where we're looking at their, you know, beautiful ornate curtains and, like, what do you call that? Like a four-post bed kind of a, kind of a, like.
0: Fuck. Yeah, I don't know what those beds are called.
1: I don't know, man. They have some tassels um,
0: on those rooms. Yeah, r- it's, like, just
1: just beautiful. They're in their, ha- they're, like, basically a castle, like this giant mansion in Austria. But then we see Jacob's on the way, and he's brought back up. <laughs> and he's like, come on, we're going to bust in here. he crashes into the room. Well, it's it's this is a fun little double panel here, where we see at once like in in the first panel, the or like beautiful ornate, shiny, kind of like depiction of the room mm-hmm. with like these great carved doors and a mirror and everything, and then as Simon bursts in, we see that the wallpaper's pe- peeling, it's covered in cobwebs, the mirror is smashed, so it's actually like, sort of like one of those vampire like charms you know that they like put on people to seduce them and shit you mean seems to have, like, you mean
0: Jacob br- breaking in to get Simon
1: yeah oh yeah so, Jacob breaks in to get Simon and we see that you know the beautiful version of this house was kind of all you know all illusion Yeah. and we see that the bed is now just like kind of torn apart and like dusty and drab Ugh. And the sisters, instead of being young and beautiful, look exactly like the monsters that had emerged from the ground in the previous issue. They're like they've got like protruding fangs. They're skeletal. They seem to have like completely like dried skin. Like their skin seems to be like taut to their bones. You know.
0: Yeah, and they're it. They're like this reddish brown coloring. Yeah, like- they
1: yeah, they look like they're just like flesh and phone maybe, you know. So yeah, uh Jacob busts in with backup and with with stakes ready to kill. And it's kind of got this like narration overlaid over it. Um and when your fellow countrymen finally find you somehow floating in all of that endless sea, then they pull you back to civilization and they start to heal you, hydrate you, feed you for feed you six times a day. And we see that Simon is like fucked up. He's got bites all over him looking oh, yeah. like shit. His eye He has, like, black eyes. The vampires hiss and attack Jacob and the rest of the soldiers. They fight back over this, like, narration of Simon the whole time. They're, like, shooting and st- stabbing the vampires. It's great. Simon saying, they save your life. They really do. But still, you realize that no matter what happens now, no matter what they do to get you back to being healthy, you'll never, ever again feel as strong as you did before you got stranded on that ocean. So... The soldiers save him, they come and stab these women, you know, they stab the
0: vampires. I love in this battle how gruesome. Mm-hmm. I love how just like that thick black blood that comes out of them. Yeah. Tartish. Yeah. And yeah. but I love that um Jacob is so I'm 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 assuming this is bent up PTSD. Yeah like trauma from fucking D-Day watching Frank watching G- having to kill Gabriel like he yeah, takes they pin one to the wall yeah he takes down one completely by himself and then mm-hmm. all the other soldiers have to fucking pin it to the, one to the wall it's wild yeah. i love that contrast yeah. of like how fierce he is and then the soldiers had to just take down the one totally and it shows you how powerful that those these vampires are i love it yeah Ooh. but they saved him they but did. it's like
1: it's like that kind of thing where it's like You know, you've seen, you've gone through this horrible traumatic experience, so in some way you don't feel as strong as you did before that experience. Yeah. You know, you're fucking rattled by that shit. Yeah, it's a very cool
0: contrast to have him talk about one experience and it it being laid over this. It's very cool.
1: Yeah. And then Margaret, we see Margaret getting the call and then Broom answering. Super happy that Simon's alive. Jacob's letting them know yeah, we need medical assistance. Broom's like, no, get him here. Jacob's saying, he, we don't have that kind of time. Like, he's going to die. And Broom's insisting that he comes here. So, you know, maybe Simon's going to turn into a vampire and Broom is maybe foreseeing that. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's what's sort of hinted at. I agree.
1: Yeah. As Broom hangs up, we see Hellboy and his dog Mac outside playing with the ball. <laughs> Some more, like, just cute stuff with Hellboy playing, doing, like, a baseball announcer kind of Thing where it's like you know, like winding up the for the pitch, bases loaded, like throwing the ball to Mac. Yeah, and he's a
0: fan of Jackie Robinson.
1: Yeah, and then he looks up to see this huge plane flying above him, and stops to like admire it. Whoa, look at that, Mac! And he's kind of admiring it and looking up at it, but then we see like this, like broom behind in the window looking at the plane reflected in the window. You know, not in awe so much as. uh <laughs> Sternly looking, like not quite like sure what's gonna happen next, but you know he looks weary or something.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, and, and like it's unspoken because the because this which I like is that the story is not focusing on Hellboy, but Hellboy of course is there as this child, and yeah. Vavara keeps bringing up like, hey, why haven't you talked to him about this? And he's like, he's a child. So even though there's this bigger, more important situation happening with Anders and vampires. It's, like, this is all, in a sense, it's, like, Broom is sitting on this landmine that, like, this child is fully connected to this in a big way that he doesn't fully understand. he's, like,
1: surrounded by it. Yeah, it's, like, Hellboy doesn't, as a kid, doesn't recognize the gravity of everything happening around him. And he's growing up to think, like, it's normal. Yeah too you know
0: it's fun again another touch that's really well done and not overstated and lets us sort of there's a lot of subtext that they let just live in on the pages through these early days of the bprd which i think is very strong of mignola and uh, and daizar to do that to be confident Mm -hmm. to let that be silent and not overly like throw it at us and you know Mm -hmm. be on the nose so much about it right which i love and, and it lets you just in, admire a, a cute help way without so much like ominous thing.
1: He's so cute.
0: <laughs> I think that's the, like one of my favorite. That's my favorite
1: panel is him chewing and looking at the comments. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's his big, Easy. his big eyes.
1: Yeah. They give him nice big eyes. Like his proportions are really good. Yeah.
0: I think mine is possibly the board, board, board. <laughs> yeah. Board, 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 board. <laughs> I think that's so great. And and his first little strut when he's singing his song. And his hand is enormous, too. Like,
1: it's hand
0: up to him. I know. Like, I feel like he's going to swing and hit somebody on accident with it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but when I went to Disneyland for the first time as a child, I had a broken arm. My left arm was in a cast. Oh, no. It was a cast that was, like, kept me, like, at at an elbow, you know, went all the way up up to the elbow.
1: Brutal. And
0: that's why I brought this up is – is um. My mom, I remember being very stern and saying, You can't, you gotta be careful. You can't hit anybody with that. And I remember we were running from like Star Tours or, oh no, or Space Mountain, something from inside um, Tomorrowland to get somewhere else. And we were running and I heard, I, I feel my arm go back as I'm running and hit something. No. But we keep running, and I look back, and all I do is just see a guy doubling, sort of over, and holding his cross. Oh no! <laughs> so I clearly had just, with my cast, just elbow nailed a guy that guy perfectly. in the nuts. <laughs> oh my god! Because I was a child as well, like seven or eight or maybe ten—I can't remember. Um
1: Yeah, I can't be mad at you.
0: And I was like, so it's like, that's what I think of, like him not really. Understanding the, like the gravity of his own hand. Cause it's like you lived with it. yeah.
1: <laughs> right. It's just like, this is my hand. Uh,
0: which is great. I really like, I think that page where you, you already pointed out where uh, Jacob is just in that single, it's like a great use of negative space on a page. It doesn't feel incomplete where he's just sitting on that bench and all of that white. It's like, oh, that's a mental state.
1: It's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. It's like, it. it's it's white, but it weighs on, it's a space that gives this, like, little image
0: weight. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I like that the two shots that we get of, like, Frank and then Gabriel don't feel like just, cut, like, recreations. They feel, like, different angles that are, like, only right. in his memory that we're now. From
1: his, like, POV. Yeah, yeah,
0: I really like that. But that's it's great. It's a great, like, again, uh, I'm going to feel like a broken record, but they, like, any sort of origins, I think, when you go back and try to like fill in gaps, they can become rot. You know what I mean? With like sort of like over-explaining missteps that go like, but if this is the world, when what that doesn't make doesn't add up to where we where we started. And they're doing a great job. I mean, especially with all this guilt um that we're like building up. Like, I'm gonna equate him to a classic, another classic character, Professor Xavier. I feel like Cause I don't, there's like a storyline somewhere in, in the X-Men universe where you find out that there was originally a, I don't know what, who wrote it or what storyline it's in, but it's, but I'm going to say they're doing a better job because like professor S is retconned to like have an earlier X-Men that he sent off and they died. And then like the X-Men that, you know, that we know find out about it and like, Oh, you're fucked up professor. But I like that. They're establishing this with broom early of like, he's trying to do good things, but it's, it's, it's coming at a cost and I think that's relatable to the w- real world and you know what I mean? And I like that. Yeah. And I just think I don't, I brought up professor X cause I, I think he's another great leader in comic books, but I love that they're taking their time to create a, a, a good foundation that doesn't need to be retconned like many other, you know, like, like an X-Men, which is going on for years. <laughs> they're being a little smart here to be like, well, we don't have that. This, we got to establish yeah. a good base back, backstory, for lack of a better word, um, for yeah. Broom, the beginnings of the BPRD and Broom, which I think Dizar and Mignola have really nailed it for these. Each time we've gotten a little more in these, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just it adds without like over explaining. It's not like a wink. There's never like a wink. Or at least I have we have yet to experience a wink moment. Yeah. So I'm yeah. really digging it.
1: It's so good. So fun. Yeah. And I really just want to find out what happened. Like, I'm excited for the last installment.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited to see what what's going to happen.
1: I just looked at the cover of five.
0: Yeah, cover's pretty wild. And I'm freaking out. Yeah, can't wait for us to get to that. Let's not touch on it now. Yeah. that's just yeah, really a teaser yeah. for everybody. Right. We'll be talking about that cover.
1: We'll talk about
0: it. Um, do you have any other final thoughts or anything else you want to point out you like about these last two issues or in the storyline?
1: That's it. I mean, I guess you know, I just love baby Hellboy in this. And <laughs> it's great. I think, you know, yeah, that's it. I love it. I just love it. It's great. Awesome.
0: It is great stuff. Um, big fans of these artists. Each, each, each panel just makes me more and more of a fan.
1: I'm trying to think of what I wanted to recommend. Cause I feel like I thought of something. And I,
0: as you think of your I recommendations, remember. I'm going to say this. I don't have any recommendations. Cause I feel like I'm like, I don't know what vampire stuff that isn't, I've already not, Reference. So I'm just. I'm asking other. Did I people. say boys?
1: Did I say boys from County Hell last time?
0: No. What's boys from County Hell?
1: Boys from County Hell is on Shutter right now, and it's a vampire movie, and it like takes place in kind of like the boonies of Ireland. Ooh. Um, so you get these fun characters that are like, I mean, they're not quite like trailer park boys, but they're like sort of, you know, they're like Irish bumpkins, kind of (laughs) like this really small town in Ireland where it's like the kind of town where if you're a young person, you're like, I, I don't want to get stuck in this town, like that kind of town. And they have, you know, something relating to vampires happens. I'll just say. And I thought it was really great. I thought it was such a fun movie it, and it's on cheddar right now. It was awesome. Well, that's great. I, I Yeah. So check that out. That's a out. great. Romance. I knew I had something vampire related.
0: Awesome. I I'm really, that's great. You're adding to the reason why I brought up, I was like, I want to hear from other people that are vampire suggestions. Cause I feel like I've Boys used all from online. County hell, boy from County hell. Uh, we'll check out. And then any others out there, listeners, let me know. Cause yeah. Blood,
1: I love vampire movies too. Yeah,
0: if they're done well, I'm going to Vampires
1: and Werewolves. Yeah. Cool stuff. I'll watch it. Cool yeah. stuff.
0: <laughs> but great. I love that. We're wrapping this up for this episode. Um listeners, we want to hear your thoughts on these last two chapters, 3 and 4 of 1947. We want to hear your thoughts on the art, on the story, on the beginnings of the BPRD, the early days of Broom and little baby baby Hellboy in his oh,
1: baby Hellboy the cutest you know,
0: dressed like a mechanic uh, we want to hear from your th- <laughs> your thoughts and we'd love to share those thoughts and discuss those thoughts on the show you can add to the, the show with your thoughts by emailing us at crap a Hellboy podcast at gmail.com yeah. um, and then also in addition to that you can Follow us on Instagram, Podcast, Twitter, awcraphellboy. Be aware that we will um, try our darndest to respond to any direct messages there in comments. But if you want your thoughts on the show, please email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. And then one more big ask. If you could, please, if you have the option on whatever f- platform you listen to us, if it gives you the option to rate and review, do so. That brings more listeners to the show But if you go out of your way to go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review that starts with the word boom, we call that a boom review. If you give us a boom review, we'll read your boom review right here on the show, word for word, and we'll give you a big old shout out, praise you, love you, send all the good vibes your way. So please, go out of your way. Give us a boom review. We'd appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) But that is it. We'll be back next week finalizing this storyline of 1947 BPRD with Chapter 5. We'll get to that great wild cover that we teased about next week. So thank you again, everyone, for listening. And remember, we love you. Hi, Adam Peacock from My Neighbors Are Dead here. Each week on My Neighbors Are Dead, I talk to the tertiary characters, real and imagined, from your favorite horror films. But this summer, we're doing something different. We are taking you to the northern woods of Michigan all the way up to Whitlow Lake to bring you the original tale of the My Neighbors Are Dead summer camp massacre. We're bringing back some fan favorites of the show as we try to piece together through interviews with survivors, witnesses, and with any luck, the killer Chad himself, we're going to try to piece together exactly what the hell happened up there at Camp Willow Lake. It starts June 22nd and it runs all summer long. That's the My Neighbors Are Dead Summer Camp Massacre. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.